Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm Jake Amino, the writer-director of Deviation. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart. Page the screen. Com up in my bum, please. Snitch. Get up to my motorcycle running and tracking up with motherfucking snakes, genius. With Dom, eating pizza and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Road Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen Movie Good evening and welcome to March. Where did January, February go? I read read that earlier that it was March today. I thought, oh really? It's nuts. Interesting. It's, It's crazy and it's March all over the world, pretty much. So uh, probably it, even in Hawaii, is, I would have thought. Yeah, it is going to be um, one of those years where um, we get onto a podcast and it's that uh, welcome to December. You go, it will be. Really? So next week we are doing the end of the year show. So how has this year <laughs> been for you, Rob? It's crazy, isn't it? It's like two months of the year already gone. And, I'm not uh, sure I've got enough movies for a top ten. No, I don't know how many films I've seen, but I've not watched as many this year as I have in previous years. I think just because I've been busy with bits and pieces, but also because uh, there's just not been like a massive pile of films. I'm like, ooh, I really want to watch that. But the ones I have watched have been really good, but you know, mm. I'm not struggling to uh, to find the time to watch them all at the minute. Yeah. So too many TV shows, like wonderful ones like Picard. Yeah, there are some very good TV shows, and uh, I hear you're up to episode two now of Picard. I am. We sat and watched episode number two yesterday, so I would like to, anybody that's listening to this podcast, you are not filmmaker Denise Harrison. I would like to add, you are Mr. Robert Dyer. Uh, Ten minutes before the podcast was due to start, uh, Denise realized that she didn't have her Skype up and running. Oh, So she's like, well, can we do it over the phone? I went, well, no, because I don't have the ability to record podcasts over the phone. And she's like, all right. Um, not sure how to do it. I said, Look, if you're not able to do it, we'll have to reschedule to another week. She went, Can we do that? I'm like, Yeah, that's right. So I was very close to putting a tweet out saying no podcast this week. But I thought, do you know what? I will send out a distress call to the Gamma Quadrant and see if uh, Mr. Robert Dyer is free and able to uh, beam himself into the, the podcast holodeck. Exactly. Uh, and, at warp and you speed. Wor- warp speed, faster than Voyager. Uh, and you're here. So that's good. But, uh, yeah, so you are Robert, you are not Denise. So I don't want anybody getting confused. Nope, so, I, I, I'm definitely me. Definitely uh, Mr. Is. R. Dyer yes. on the Twitter space. You are indeed. 
So, uh, yeah, up to episode two on Picard. I know there's been a few more episodes than that, but we are still enjoying the show. So it was, uh, we'd finished watching episode number one, and Annette said, do you know what I like about Picard? I'm like, what? She said, that it's, it could be set anywhere. It's not just all in space. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the very beginning of episode number two showed lots of spaceships and board cubes, and she's like, ah, I've jinxed it. <laughs> but she's still enjoying the show, but it was kind of funny. It's like, I just know the next episode is going to be set in space and a lot of it was but it's really good I, do, I, I was quite surprised that there were a couple of F-bombs in the series I know it's like whoa <laughs> what did you think uh, about that um, we're at a stage I know Addison is only seven years old almost eight yep. um, but we're at a stage where obviously she goes to school she hangs around with other kids they hear these words at that age they do, yeah. so the fact that she was sitting there watching the show with me, it, <gasps> it, it, it bothered me that much. Like I say, she, she's heard the words before. Hmm. Um, she is a very good kid. She knows, you know, it's very different hearing a word than using it. She knows not to use them. Um, so, um, you know, I was surprised um, in a way. But then again, Discovery is is kind of set for that um kind of older audience and you know most of the discovery team are behind picard as well so um from that respect it wasn't a big surprise it's just an unusual choice though isn't it i remember i think it was generation mm-hmm. where the the ship is about to plow into the the planet and data's like oh shit yeah and then the audience were half of them were horrified half of them found it the funniest thing ever because it's like ah this is a swear word in star trek yeah uh, so, you know, I don't know if there was a need for it in Picard. I'm not quite sure. I don't, it, it, it did feel a little bit out of place. Yeah, I don't think there was the need for it. I didn't watch that scene and go, you know what, that was definitely needed there. Yeah. But um, It would have made no difference to the show if you'd have just left that out. Because one of the things yeah. I really do like about Star Trek, and I'll probably take some of the modern remakes out of the equation because they they've kind of upped the certificate a bit they? but mm-hmm. the majority of star trek addy or anybody around your age could sit and watch them all watch yeah, there's, they, no, they, there's no real violence and there's a few scary moments in it when you get to first contact and stuff but beyond yeah. that she could sit and watch them and then go straight to bed and not have nightmares and stuff but of course they were so they were show, shows that were yeah very family friendly um they tackled big issues but yeah. tactfully and in a way that didn't offend which is how obviously the original series got through got past the censors um for a lot of the things they did um so yeah it in in one respect you know it, it, it's sad to see it um be pitched for for an older audience and that's what they're doing they're looking for ratings and they think you know drop a few f-bombs in that's gonna get us an extra few thousand people watching is it? No. I'm not, not really. sure. I, don't, I can't see any benefit to having the swear words in there because it's not been a show that's ever had it in before. I mean, obviously, you take the swearing out of a show like Sopranos and yeah. The Walking Dead, you can understand them having bad language and that because it fits within that world. Mm-hmm. But oh, and we heard the first, because there was two F-bombs in episode two, and we heard the first one and then I went, did, the, what, did, did she just say what? I, I'm pretty sure she did, but I'm not quite sure. And then when the second one came out, you're like, oh, yeah, definitely did say it. So it's an interesting choice, but it's not one, you know, I'm not going to go, ooh, can't wait to watch episode three and see what they say next. (laughs) It's not really that type of thing. 
it, it's very much what I think CBS have decided to do with Star Trek. Um, ever since we had the reboot of the movies, we saw kind of Kirk hiding under a bed as, um, you know, somebody he was, um, yes, you know, hoping to spend some time with was in underwear, you know, or, or getting, you know, as Uhura was then getting undressed and changed. Um, it, it's this um, thing CBS seemed to have of um, let's attract um, this older audience, which might get as a bigger audience. I don't know if it does or not. I don't think it will. But it's kind um, of weird, though, because it's, you know, the rebooted movies I can understand because even though that's sort of set in the same timeline, it's not really, is it? They've just sort of tied it up with the Yeah, it's the, the Kelvin timeline yeah. now rather than the Prime one. Discovery is also in a different timeline, but but the world of Picard is still in the same universe as DS9, Voyager, yeah, very much. Star Trek Next Generation, and the original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I don't know, maybe they could bring in something where they, oh, we, we're allowed to swear now, it's not against the Prime Directive. <laughs> or something. But it's, I'm enjoying the show, though. It's certainly not putting me off with a couple of F-bombs. It was just interesting, no. I thought I'd get your take on it. Like, like I said, it, it didn't shock me, but um, it is one of the ways it differs from from original Trek. Yeah. Um, you know, there are several of those. You know, I I actually was reading um, a Reddit thread um, about Star Trek earlier today, where they were well Picard, and they were really ripping it to bits. Oh. Um, you know, and the the strange thing is, even though I'm enjoying it, when I read their comments, a lot of them that they're valid in what they're, yeah, they're saying. Yeah. Um, so, so I do have that kind of empathy with them. And I think, you know, when I read their, their thread, I think, you know what, it would be better if it took this, this and this into account, which it doesn't. But the, I think the fact that we've got Picard on screen, um, really, um, gives them some leeway because, you know, you're thinking, well, at least Picard's there, um, you know, he's somebody who we're familiar with and we know there's going to be cameos from lots of other characters as well. Um, if it was just Star Trek, um, you know, the, the new series and we hadn't got, um, you know, Patrick Stewart there, it, it wasn't set around Picard. It was, you know... Um, Star Trek, um, yes. Captain Jones, or, or whatever. Yeah. It yeah. might be different. I might be going. You know what? This is a Star Trek. All they're doing is swearing, and they're doing this. Yeah, but I the don't... fact that they've got the cast there, it, it really means something. I don't even think I would have watched it mm. because I watched the, the pilot episode of Discovery and thought, yeah, it's kind of cool as a TV show on its own. But to me, it didn't feel like the Star Trek that that I was familiar with and I enjoyed like Next Gen and DS9 and stuff like that so mm-hmm. I wasn't against it it's just like yeah I'm, I'm kind of good and uh, so if they did Star Trek you know Secret Romulans or whatever it was called I may have yeah. checked out the pilot and thought yeah, it's, it's alright but for me it is purely the nostalgia thing that I'm watching it I was a little bit disappointed when in episode number two Picard goes I've already made the call and it mm-hmm. goes to this house, and you're like, ooh, who's going to be in the house? And then this woman comes <laughs> out, and I'm like, I don't even know who you are. I ain't got a clue. So I don't know whether she's, whether her story gets explained or whether I'd just forgotten about her in a previous role, but I have no clue who that woman was. I thought it was going to be no, like, you, um, you know, an Ensign Row or something like that. Would've yeah, nice. you do you, you do find a bit more about her backstory. Um, but yeah, she's not somebody who's been in Star Trek before or, 
you know all we were expected to know at this point so did you think uh, it was going to be somebody special when it approaches the house you're like hey was it going to be well i think because we've had the teaser trailers so we know you know obviously you know brent spiner data is in it and we've seen him already yeah um you know albeit painting a, a picture <laughs> um you know we know Riker's in it we know troy's in it we know seven of nine so I think part of you expects, even going into episode one, to see all these characters. I think the fact that we hadn't seen them at the end of episode one, I was yeah. like, "Oh, I've that's it." Then I've got to, I've got to wait, um, you know. And it it's probably done to bring you back to it, um, to keep you watching because you want to see that moment. If they crammed it all in, and then you thought, "Well, you know, that was nice. I've seen them all now," but. You know, it's not really Trek as I remember it. Then you can switch off because you've already seen those kind of um, moments, uh, you know, where they they kind of meet up in the in the future. True. But the fact that they're making you wait for it means that you're going to kind of keep tuning in because you want to see that moment and see what happens and and kind of the backstories of these new characters. Well, the new characters that we've we've met previously, but yeah. you know, um, in their future. But I'm enjoying it. It's good. It's yeah. just. Uh, you know, I've, I don't feel the need to binge watch it, and I've got that many shows on the go at the minute. That's why I've not managed to watch more episodes than I have. But uh, I'm going to carry on watching. How I many has been on so far? Is it six, six, six episodes? now. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, being a Star Trek fan, as big a Star Trek fan as I am, I'm always going to watch whatever they put out. It, it could be absolute rubbish, and I'll still watch it because I'm a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Um, However, I think it says something that when we were a couple of episodes behind because of everything, the trips back to Stoke because my yeah. uh, my stepdad and everything like that, um, I decided to catch up on Doctor Who before Picard. Wow. That says something. And what's your thoughts on the new Doctor? Because I, I mean, I'm not up to date with it, but a lot of people, certainly a couple of weeks ago, they were super grumpy about the show. It didn't feel like Doctor Who anymore and people were mad about it. But what was going on with all that lot? Well, my my feelings about um, you know I think it's the, the second season now with um, uh, the female Doctor, yep. um, and I'm loving it. It's it's one of those things where season two, very much uh, the same with Peter Capaldi, um, the writing has got so much better. So season two really does have me waiting for that next episode. Um, I love. I didn't. I didn't know how I was going to feel with the companions because um, traditionally now with the kind of the, the, the new run um, of Doctor Who from Eccleston onwards, we've always had that kind of one-on-one um, situation where you've had one companion with, with the Doctor. So the fact that we've got um, three companions with the Doctor at the moment, I didn't know how that was going to work, but it works extremely well and I'm really enjoying kind of the chemistry between them all. Um the, the thing I will say is I think Doctor Who, even though it's on um, a primetime slot before the watershed, is a lot more scarier for kids than Picard. Okay. Um, it's If you actually, you know, um, get a chance to, to catch up with Doctor Who this season, there's some very dark and some very, very scary episodes that when I'm sitting down and watching them, I've said, 
you know what? I'm glad I didn't sit here with Addy and watch it because I yeah. know this would cause her problems going to bed tonight. Now, is this similar to the way that we would have felt about Doctor Who when we were kids and it was scary and we were hiding behind the couch? Or do no, you th- genuinely think these are a lot scarier than they no, were? No, these are a lot scarier. What very much like you um, rewatching The Walking Dead. Um, I've started rewatching Doctor Who from Christo- Christopher Eccleston, oh, wow. um, okay. episode one. Yeah. Um, but I've started doing it with Addy. Um, so, you know, we, we are partway through, um, that first season with Christopher Eccleston and she's really enjoying it. And, you know, they've got like, um, aliens such as, uh, Sazine, uh, you know, unzip your human skin and kind of come out of it and your big green alien and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she's, she's fine with all that. But these are really kind of dark and scary episodes. So, have you uh, have you got to the episode yet? And I don't know if it's a Chris Eccleston one or a Tennant one or a Matt Smith. But are you my mummy? That one. That oh, was well, creepy that episode. That that is a very very creepy episode. Yes. And yet, um, no, that's after Eccleston's time. So, because right. um, that was a creepy. That's one of the most memorable ones. That and the Walking Angel. The, the uh, sleep is it Sleeping Angel? Walking Angels? I forgot what. Uh, the, God almighty, it's been so long since since that. Does Sarah Madison oh, play the Weeping yes. Angels? There we weeping go. Angels, there we so go. at least I got the angel part right. Yeah, I, I can't believe weeping. we both didn't get that one. We're, to, we're to tired. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we're terrible. We as need well. a spa month, as I was saying earlier on on yes. text messages. No podcasts, no movies, no TV shows, no real life. Just go, just eat food and, and swim and whatnot for a month. I'm all up for that. But to, to give you, um, you know, the. the obviously a few spoilers so spoiler alerts if you haven't watched um this uh season of doctor who yet yeah. um but but a great example is a, a couple of episodes ago we had um the doctor and the companions turn up and um they're in this old house um in the past and um they people are getting visited by almost this kind of ghost uh, apparition that kind of then takes physical form reminds me very much of um the feel that you'd get when Candyman had turn up (laughs) um and it was while they were sleeping and um it's uh, i think it's got a voiceover lay telling you and you've been told that um um nightmares aren't real and basically they're alluding that they are and this whole episode's about you know how your nightmares are real and the and, you know this guy's basically turning up in your bedroom wow um it, it's such a creepy episode and you know for kids watching that <laughs> it's like hang on my nightmares are real this is not i know <laughs> you know i i can see serious problems with getting your kids to bed um after that episode and possibly for the next week so, um, you know, it, it's a completely different feel than Picard because obviously Picard may have a bit of swearing in, but it's, you, you don't look at it and go, ooh, I, I'm scared of that Romulan turning up in my, you know, it's not going to happen. But, but with Doctor Who, um, certainly this season, it's, um, it's, it's very dark and scary. So I bet it was quite weird watching some of the Jodie Whittaker ones and then going back watching the Christopher Eccleston ones because you're like, what is this, a kid's show, this Eccleston one? This it, is kind of weird. It's not scary at all. Yeah, and and obviously because we're on that first season, um, he hasn't fully got into his role as well. He's just yeah. kind of starting out. He so, was good. Um, I genuinely like Chris. R- I like him as an actor, and I thought yeah. he was a really good Doctor Who. I I was gutted when um, you know the regeneration scene, and he he turns into um, David Tennant, and I looked at David Tennant, and I thought, who in the hell is this kind <laughs> of young? Yeah 
boy who they've got playing the Doctor. It's never going to work. Then obviously he went on to become my favourite Doctor. So. And then Matt Smith popped up, and you're like, oh, who the heck is he? And he was quite good, and yeah. stuff like that. But for me, there's just too many episodes of Doctor Who to to jump into, I think. I don't know whether I could just jump into... I mean, you'll be able to answer it. Could I just jump into these Jodie Whittaker episodes and go, right, I know the basics, obviously, of Doctor Who, who, who he, he or she is, etc. Yeah, I, I very much recommend him watching the first few episodes with Jodie, because then, obviously, you get the background story of... Um, the the companions um but otherwise yeah there's no reason why you couldn't jump in and really enjoy it um you know i know a load of people had reservations you know about a female doctor and um you know i'm still not convinced um you know with a lot of things you know take um when they take the ghostbusters and they say right we're going to refilm it and we're going to have all the cast now as um a female role yeah um but in Doctor Who, it seems to work perfectly, and you know, there's 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 nothing wrong with it. Um, and actually, she makes a fantastic Doctor. See, I don't mind when you take any franchise and go right. We're going to remake Ghostbusters, Goonies, mm-hmm. uh, John Wick, everything, and we're going to have women as the as the roles. I have mm-hmm. no issue with that. But the issue I have is when they use that as a selling point. Yeah. It's like, so we're going to have a female Doctor Who. Fine. We've got a new Doctor. She's going to be Jodie Whittaker. Great. Just leave it at that. Don't mm-hmm. go, hey, look, we've got a woman Doctor, woman Doctor, woman Doctor, woman Doctor. Because then it's it's like you're, you, it's stunt casting, isn't it? Yeah, you're jumping on a bandwagon of, of something that's going on. Um, and I think my, my problem with, you know, I mentioned Ghostbusters, is, you know, for such a great franchise, you know, mm-hmm. you know they seemed the characters didn't seem as believable or as credible as their male counterparts in the first few movies. You know, it wasn't like a movie that seemed, you know, to, to empower the characters or anything like that. It just seemed to be a bit more, um, done for the sake of it. Yeah, it was. And with it, without any kind of real thought behind it. Um, and you know, that's my problem. If you're going to put these people in, um, you know, Give them good roles. Give them, you know, make make sure that it's solidly written. It's got a great story behind it, and and that's what we're getting with with Jodie Whittaker in in Doctor Who at the moment. We're getting some cracking episodes with some cracking writing, and um, you know, it's it's really worth watching. So everybody who um, said it wasn't going to work and they 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 weren't going to watch it because they, they, there was a female Doctor. Well, if you haven't already watched it, you should tune in because you'll actually enjoy it. And it's nuts, isn't it? It's like, I'm not going to watch it because this alien with two hearts is going yeah. to be taking a woman's form. Well, mm-hmm. so what? I, I don't care what gender a character is. It's like, as long as the scripts are good yeah, and it's filmed well, I'm, I'm all right. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't, do these people then go into like a video? Well, nobody goes into a video store now, but they go on Netflix and go, oh, this, oh no, there's a woman in the main role. Not watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they probably do, to be honest. They just... I don't know. It's, oh, it's look, strange. it's a Sandra Bullock film. Can't watch that one. Isn't it? Oh, oh, I love the sound of that. Oh, no, there's a woman in a mineral. No, yeah. If I'm, let me click on Netflix and go to the blokey films. Yeah. Crazy. It's absolutely very strange. So are you back into The Walking Dead, which started again last week? I am indeed. Are you? Yes, I am up to date. <laughs> and then said last night, she's like, we're going to watch another Walking Dead. I went, there's, there's not another one yet. She's like, but we watched one last week. I'm like, we did. 
She said, I thought we we're going to binge watch it. I'm like, we can't binge watch it. We're up to date. <laughs> we can't binge watch it. Very good episode. Carol is annoying me. But, is she? I, but I understand. You know, I, I get why she's mad, but yeah. she's putting people in danger. So it's like, well, come on. Yeah, now. that, you know, that's the problem. Um, you know, like, oh, look, you know, let's just uh, put everybody in uh, in here with me in, in, in mortal danger. Yeah. I didn't need to see. Uh, Negan and Alpha butt naked oh. covered in mud I, I could have been especially while she was still wearing the mask I couldn't yeah. have done without that that was not that did not excite me in any way shape or form that was quite weird uh, uh, even though Negan said it did him but is it all a ruse I think it is I do as well I, you know this is yeah. Negan I think he likes in the end of the day I think he's always going to be that alpha male character so um, you know the you know he he doesn't want to come. Well, at the moment he's not even second fiddle. Is he's no. you know you, we've got Beta who Negan hates with uh, with an absolute passion, and I'm sure he's going to get a baseball back to the head at some point. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Negan's uh, playing a long game here, and uh, yeah, he should be used to it with a with a baseball bat. Isn't it? I miss I kind of miss the Negan and miss miss him, but yeah. I do think Alpha is a fantastic villain and i am just craving a sort of face-off but not the one we got at the end of the last episode <laughs> a face-off between negan and alpha oh yeah I, I would watch and the big guy uh beta i would happily yeah. watch you know that episode it's a it's a you know a, a real i think it's probably she plays the the best villain that we've seen in the entire uh walking dead show um to the point where, you know, I thought I hated Negan and, you know, and I thought I hated, you know, various other um, kind of big bads throughout. The governor. And, yeah. The, you know, yeah. Um, but I'll tell you something. I really dislike Alpha. Really dislike her. And that means, you know, that the writing's spot on. She's playing yes. the character spot on and, you know, everything about it is just perfect because of how much I hate that character. Yep. She's great. It was, I remember when I, the, the show was already on and I heard it cast, it cast Samantha Morton in the role. I'm like, that's an interesting choice. Cause she's a bit like when they cast Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. You know, I knew enough about her to go, you'll do fine. As long as the writing's okay, you'll do fine. And the same with Samantha Morton. I've seen her in films over the years. And I knew she'd be really good, but I just didn't know what sort of character Alpha was. And uh, she's very, very watchable, but just, just crazy. And I think the great thing about um, the writers of The Walking Dead is it's something completely new with the Whisperers. You know what I mean? We've never seen that kind of thing before. So it's it's breathed some you know new life into the show as well i know a lot of people were getting bored of it or sick of it um you know for me you know i just eat sleep breathe zombie zombie stuff so it it didn't bother me you know i'd be quite happy for you know 50 seasons of the walking dead and i'd quite quite happily watch season after season and just watch them plodding around the world um but I think for a lot of people, this is going to be get, uh, a really good thing because it's going to bring them back into it. I struggled. I think we've talked about it before. I struggled mm. with the first half of the previous season yeah, you know, when it was all windmills and all that sort of stuff. And then <laughs> then when Alpha popped up and the Whisperers showed up, I thought, oh, this is kind of, I'm going to keep watching it. And that <laughs> show just keeps doing it. It seems to know when I'm ready to bail out. 
Yeah. And then it goes, right, so you, are you leaving now? Right, just watch this 30 second. Oh, right, I'm back in. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> it does, and I'm sure it does that with a lot of people. Yeah. But it's certainly not a boring show. It's just, I think people get annoyed because the show doesn't have an end. Yeah. But there's a lot of shows. It's like people watch soap operas. There's no end on those. Mm-hmm. Or procedurals. You know, your CSIs and your law and orders. There's no ending on those ones, but they still keep watching them. So I don't quite get the, it doesn't have an ending. That's a very hatred. interesting point that I've never considered before, actually. Because obviously you've got your soaps, your EastEnders, your Coronation Street. Mm. Um, and yeah, they don't have an end. They've just been going for years and years. And But it, I don't think there's ever been... Um, zombie you know, soap opera yeah yeah there's, <laughs> there's, there's never been one of these shows you know like a, a star trek you know i know they've been going for a long time but you still have huge breaks in them yeah. um you know there's never been one that's carried on going is the walking dead gonna be that that show well nobody bitched about star trek next generation going oh i'm out of here because there's no ending <laughs> it's no. like there was never an ending until it finished until it was like yeah. right this is the last season and then did it all until all good things yeah which was quite a good ending. It was. It was, was a fantastic right ending. Um, you know, I was disappointed we never really got to see more of the future Enterprise with its uh, three warp nacelles and, uh-huh. uh, you know, you know some of the things. Um, it would be interesting to see, actually, you know, now we've jumped back onto Picard and Star Trek, if a few of the things that we've seen in um, All Good Things actually have come to pass in in Picard's timeline or... Or if yeah, we're on a completely different thing, you know, has uh, Beverly Crusher become the captain of the um, the pastor and um, various other things? What has happened to Wesley other than oh. joining the Big Bang Theory? For I was going to say, uh, yeah, it's a Big Bang that went on there. <laughs> Will we get a Sheldon Cooper cameo somehow and find out <laughs> he did invent time travel or something after season 12 of the Big Bang Theory? Who knows? Oh, I don't. I don't is the Big Bang uh, CBS? I'm not sure it is. So you got no chance. Uh, I don't know. Might be. I don't know. Um, no, I can't remember. I don't pay that much attention to no. the end credits of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> to be honest, I've still yet to watch season twelve, but I'll get around to it at some point. Oh, the the uh, the last episode is fantastic. Brings a tear to my eye, but it is fantastic. It's a nice ending. So, yeah, Walking Dead up to date. Star Trek, mm-hmm. I'm not up to date, but you are. I'm halfway through the uh, Wolf Creek on Shudder, which is based on the two films that they brought out. It's a good series. It's all six episodes are on there, but it does not do a lot for the Australian tourism industry. Uh, <laughs> I do need to get around to watching the last three of that. So uh, I was treating Annette last night to the 1933 version of The Invisible Man. Oh, uh, which I've seen before, and yeah. it, it still blows my mind how they did those special effects in the film. You know, kind of close to ninety years ago. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's very, very clever, but it's a really good film. I do want to watch the new one, but obviously the effects are going to be hey, CGI and yeah, bits and pieces. But the original one is a classic. I love a lot of these classic old Universal monster movies. That's. So but yeah, you said you've watched some stuff. What have you watched? I have. Uh, I've watched a few movies um, uh, this weekend. Um, I've watched um, the live action, if you can call it that, Lady and the Tramp. Oh, okay. This, all right, okay. What's your thoughts on that? Um, to be honest, 
there's one thing that kind of really stuck out and in my mind just wasn't necessary. Okay. So are you familiar with the original Lady I the certainly am, yeah. So we've got some kind of loved characters that we all know, one of them being Jacques. Yes, but yep. Who has now become Jacqueline. Oh, okay. Why? They've, Why have they done that? They're jumping on a bandwagon, I think. Oh. You know, so they've they've changed the 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 gender of Jacques, and Jacques is now Jacqueline and a female. And I just don't think it's needed. No, it, it's, it's like you're not. A, it's like you're not against it. But I'm I, not I, against. Yeah, if if this was the the first movie, it wasn't following anything. Yeah, then fine. I'm perfectly happy with it. But the fact that we all grew up and watched the original cartoon animated. Um, Lady in the Tramp, and Jacques was Jacques. Yeah. Then that's what I want to see when it's when it's remade. I don't want you know. It's it's like you know if if they'd brought out uh, remade Beauty and the Beast, which obviously they have, and you know instead of Belle, the Beast got together with Gaston. You know if yeah. that was the original, then I'd have no problem with it. But then but I think the problem is. On, the problem seems to be so like so you watch your new Lady in the Tramp and you go, Why have they changed Jock to Jocelyn? Yeah. And you, you go on Twitter and you go, Why have they done this, this, that, the other? There will be a bunch of people who come after you going, yeah. Why do you hate women? <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I don't hate women and that's the way it's perceived. Yeah. And also the disturbing part is at some point when they're in, in you know, they're in Disney and they're going, Right, we're gonna remake Lady in the Tramp, that there was a discussion about changing Jock. Yeah. to Jocelyn. It's like, why is that a discussion? It's not... I don't get it. And, and but, but you can't voice your opinions on it or people will come after you. It's crazy. And it's not like it's a major character. You know, it, You know, Jacques maybe gets five to ten minutes on screen throughout the movie. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's just changing something that you grew up with and you loved one way. Very much like changing, um, for me, the Romulans look in Star Trek Picard and, and the rebooted Kelvin timeline, or changing the look of the Klingons. It wasn't needed, you know, they, they were fine as they were. So, you know, I'm, uh, there's nothing against, uh, you know, women. The same as I've got nothing against Klingons and I've got nothing against Romulans. I just prefer them how they were. What did you think when you did uh, Battlestar? And they changed Starbuck. I remember at the time people were like, what? Why, why, is it, why is she not Dirk Benedict anymore? <laughs> to be honest, um, I watched the original Battlestar. I never watched the reboot. Really? You've not? Oh, it is a I've, very good series. So, yeah, it's something that... It's really good. I, I've got nothing against it. It's something that I want to watch um, because, you know, for me, I love the original Battlestar. I've, I own it on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um so at some point I will get around to to rewatching uh, well watching again the the reboot. So um, I can't give you a an, an answer on that until I watch it. Okay, but the show itself is very good. It doesn't it it keeps the the sort of basis of the original one, mm-hmm. but also builds upon it and brings it up to date. Yeah, I mean you go back and you watch the nineteen seventies one. It is very nineteen seventies and it is, but, but, but it's still watchable. It. I, I can still watch it. Definitely still watchable. I love them, but uh, this new one is is definitely make a list and and put mm. that on it if you end up uh, with lots of time to watch movies. And yeah, whatnot. 
But no, it's uh-huh. interesting. So other than the the gender other, change of Lady other than Trump, that, you know, it it was a good movie, um, a, a great Disney movie, as most Disney movies are. Um, we we didn't lose the meatball scene, which I'm very happy about. You know, you know, there are slight changes, um, but you know, Jacques being the biggest one for me, and something I can't forgive them for. Because isn't it real dogs now in this one? Um, real dogs. Um, that are highly CGI'd, or um, you know, I've never known any dog to 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 open their mouth um, back and forth in English before. So it's because uh, they made this big thing about the remake. Oh, we're going to do it, and it's going to be real dogs. And obviously, they've they've done like they did with Babe. Where, mm-hmm. Yes, it is a real pig, but you know, it's kind of CGI enhanced. That's right. Yeah, and stuff. It it would be um, amazing to to watch how it's done because it's done very well um and the the level of cgi cgi is at now really blows my mind because um i think um a lot of problems with films over the years or tv series um you know you you go back um not too long ago you look at things like babylon 5 i enjoyed babylon 5 when it was out but if you watch it now it the cgi is extremely dated whereas you go back to star trek deep space nine which is you know that there's the debate that star trek ripped off babylon 5 um and you don't get that dated look with it because they used physical models yeah agreed i, I remember watching babylon 5 around the time it came out and it was around the time deep space nine came out mm-hmm. i think i watched the pilot episode of babylon 5 and i'm like yeah it's kind of cool but it's not star trek I'm yep. off. I'm going to yep. watch DS9, and I've stuck with that one ever since. Yep. And I've seen episodes on Netflix pretty recently, and it does still hold up mm-hmm. because it is model effects. So you want some bad CGI that's come out now? Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford in it. That is 100% every animal in that film is CGI, mm-hmm. and apparently in places it looks really bad. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't use real animals. But, uh, yeah, I know. but I think, it, you know, it, it's it's one of those things um uh you know i got some stick uh from both you and bob um not too many episodes back for um liking i think the original um putting the original he-man in my chest um uh, you know master of the universe film but if you actually go back and watch that film for you know that you know was made in the 80s the special effects on it still stand up now because yeah. it was practical effects again rather than CGI. CGI dates really, really quickly. Even Avatar, you go back and watch that. It's, that's not all that now. You're like, what? Some of the CGI on that, it looks slightly ropey. Mm. But obviously the model effects and stuff look very, very impressive if they still use models. But some of the character effects looks yeah, less than perfect. And at the time, our minds were blown but you know, you go back and you look at Jurassic Park. That still mm-hmm. holds up because it was yeah. a mixture of CGI, yes. but primarily models, mm-hmm. and it still does look really cool. So um, you know, that probably brings me very well into my uh, the next movie I've watched, which mm-hmm. um, I watched, I believe, last night. Um, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Oh, I want to watch this one because I saw the original Godzilla. You know the. The one from maybe three years ago, whatever it was. Uh, was that the 2014 one? Yes, I think. I've yeah. seen that one and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So this is now yeah, the sec- a- second one, isn't it? Yeah, and it's amazing. Really? Um, yeah, um, I think even 
um, you know, I'll, I'll watch, um, I think this was on now TV, um, on, um, sky movies mm-hmm. that I watch this. And, um, if, I watch a lot of movies that, you know, you flick onto and it's been given one star or two stars and I watch it and I think that was really good and uh, it didn't deserve the, the, the bashing in star numbers that it's got, but Godzilla got 4.5 stars. So I clicked into it, watched it and yeah, well deserved uh, 4.5 stars. Nice. Um, you know, I don't want to obviously give anything away. Um, I was um, very happy to see a familiar face in there for me, um, Millie Bobby Brown. Um, okay, yep. From uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, that just enhanced it even more for me. I was like, oh, fantastic. Uh, bring it on. Did you see the teaser trailer for Stranger Things Season 4? I haven't. Is it good? No. It's all right, but it's, you know, you've seen all of Season 3. Yes, did you watch the after the credits sequence? Yes. Right. I'm guessing a lot of people who watched this teaser trailer for four didn't watch that sequence. Oh, Because no. they're all like, holy shit, the sheriff's alive. Yeah, we kind of knew that. Yeah, we knew that. On the end credits. But uh, you go look at it on Twitter, there's loads of people going, I knew it. I knew he was alive. Yeah, so did we, because we watched the clip when he said, we've got the American. Yeah, we kind of knew that, but the teaser trailer—it's it's very short. It yeah, just, they, they, it's, yeah, the Russians just had got life. Dustin and and whisked, whisked him over to uh, to Russia. No, not at all. It just shows uh, shows the sheriff building a train track. He's part of some sort of chain gang. That's it. That's that's the entire teaser trailer, and <laughs> a lot of the internet lost its mind because they were so stunned <laughs> and so happy to see this guy back. I'm thinking, what did I miss? Something? Oh no, you lot did. So it was, uh, yeah, that's the only, so teaser trailer, eh, you don't really need to watch it, because it is, there's less information in that trailer mm-hmm. than there is in the Mimi trailer, <laughs> so, so we're, we're I, doing okay. I've got to ask the question, though, when you watched um, that, that last episode of season three, yeah, and um, you, you've got kind of um, the explosion, and then um, Jim's gone. Yeah. What was your mind thinking? Because part of me, I'm watching it as it's happening. I'm going right before the explosion. I'm going. I said right. She's looking in there. He's stuck in the room. What's going to happen? He's going to jump over into um, the upside down. I know it. That's how it's going to be. And then the next season, we're going to kind of Jim in the upside down. He's going to somehow get a message out. Maybe they're going to help him to bring it out. And then they just changed it all on me. That's not what's going to happen rob this is what we're doing we're sending him over to russia um what were your thoughts did you think anything along those lines or were no i read an interview probably a year and a half ago where the duffer brothers said we're going to do three seasons and then that's it we've told our story we're done and i really hoped that the show would finish after season three Mm -hmm. so the explosion would go off i didn't think the sheriff was gone because i'm like well we did not see him it cut to another shot, basically. Then we yeah. saw the explosion. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, we didn't see him, so he's definitely not dead. But when we got the the after credit sequence, I'm like, no, it's going to come back for a season four. And I like the show, mm-hmm. but I just don't want it to go downhill and you know, go, eh, it's not as good as it was. Stick to your three and then done. And if mm-hmm. not, they're bringing it back again. So it's just, I was a little bit disappointed that it didn't finish. Again, I think it makes perfect sense, but I don't understand that that way uh, of looking at things. Um, for me, 
once I'm invested in a show, I want as much of that show as possible. And yeah, I, I think we, I get invested in these shows. And even if they go downhill, I'd still prefer to see more of it than than lose it. Um, yeah, no, I was having a conversation. The the Golan Globus theatre podcast that I jump on now and again, who will get me on again for for a film pretty mm-hmm. soon. We've talked about it. They're doing a show about Escape from L.A., Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to totally contradict myself in a minute. And they, <laughs> I, I quickly knocked up a meme saying, "If you know, if you go on Globus theatre guys hate my movie, I'm going to throw this can at your head." And it was a picture of Kurt Russell with a, you know, doing the Bangkok rules, yeah. where he's about to throw the can. And uh, they came back and said, oh, "You know, surely you can't like this film." <laughs> and I replied to them saying, would you rather have no more Snake Plissken films or would you rather have Escape from L.A.? So yeah. I've totally contradicted what I've said there. But I just, there's, there's something really, really special about shows that finish perfectly. Yeah. And you go, do you know what? Because it was the, the season three of Stranger Things, people were leaving town, they were going off to their new lives. And it's mm-hmm. like they've sorted out the big bad it was great. They, they partnered up with people. I'm like, do you know what? That's a really nice, happy ending for all these characters that have been through hell for the past three. Oh, no, they're going to carry on going through hell. It's like, just let them have a rest. I felt the same when I watched Ray Donovan. I'm like, let's just have a season when he's just sleeping. Ah, but just, we, don't, you know. we, we actually don't know this then, do we? Because from what I hear you saying about um, season four t- uh, teaser trailer, yeah, season four might just be in Russia and it's about building a train line. That's true. I, I, you know, I'm all right with that. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I think it might alienate a lot of the Stranger Things fans, but <laughs> you know, and and because also they always planned it to be three seasons, and a lot of the time, I mean, look at the Matrix films. The first one was great. And mm-hmm. it was always planned to be a one film. And then they ended up making two and three. And generally, people don't like number two and number three as much. I think yeah. they're okay, but they're not up to the level of the first one. So sometimes if you can get a show that carries on, it can sometimes damage the previous. Imagine Picard came out and it sucked. You'd be like, great, you've just kind of ruined a lot. Or they, you know, mm-hmm. they killed him or, or something yeah. like that. You, there's kind of there's time yet, Stuart, there's time yet. It, it's the Aliens and Alien 3 yeah. thing, which I like Alien 3, but generally a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. So you, you watch Aliens and Michael Bean and Little Newt and, and Ripley all escape, and it's like, yay. And then beginning number three, dead. So you go back and you watch number two, and you go, what's the point? You're going to die at the end of this film anyway. So it, sometimes it can damage the movies. Yeah. So I'm just a bit worried that Stranger Things does that. Well, maybe we can get the uh, the Duffer Brothers on. They can explain what's going on, really. They'll go, cha-ching, we got paid. <laughs> we made lots of money, and we're allowed to make stuff. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. But uh, I'll watch it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it coming on. So, And I don't blame her for that, though. You know, if, if, oh, no. you, know, if you, you said, right, I'm doing Mimi one, two, and three, and then that's the end of Mimi. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Fox or Warner Brothers, whoever it may be, turn up and say, "Right, sure, we really enjoyed the first three. Here's a shed load of money. Make some more for us." Yeah, I want you to make the fourth one, but I want you to do it as a musical. I'll be like, I ain't making it as a musical. How big? How many zeros are on that check? <laughs> Let me just. Anyway, thanks for the check. I'll put it in the drawer. I'm just off to write some songs. Yeah, yeah, you of know, course. Any, anybody that has a and then we get one more with Mimi. 
there would be. There'd be once more with Mimi. She would go on tour. She would. There would be an album. There would be a concert tour, which I yep. would film because mm-hmm. I know how to do that now. And you know, it'd be on iTunes, and Spotify, and SoundCloud, and everything. And it would, yeah, Lamissa would just be a, a vocalist serial killer. So it would work. <laughs> a vocalist. I'm all right with that. I would work. That, that, that's probably me, me for. I'm going to start writing that tonight just in case they do uh, <laughs> come back. You, you're writing that as a musical, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. I'm going to write two versions one with songs and one without songs. And, uh, and an animated one as well. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, one with puppets. I'm going to hire Andrew Spooner to do all the puppets <laughs> for the Me, Me Puppet Show. Yeah. <laughs> that it's, would work. It, it, it's all been done in Buffy and Angel before. Yes. But not for a while. A lot of people no. haven't seen those shows, so it's going to be the Muppets and Mimi team up, <laughs> uh, puppetry by Andrew Spooner, mm-hmm. and uh, voiceover by John Fouts, and special effects of spaceships by uh, by somebody else. I'm doing well right. because I have I haven't mentioned a certain person's name oh. in the podcast, and I did tweet. I'm doing well. 15 minutes in, and I haven't said your name yet, so I may try and <laughs> do a full episode without mentioning a certain somebody. Ah, uh, but but just, just should, to prove a sh- point. Should I mention a certain somebody, or should I, I try not to as well? I I, I have no control. I don't even well, know what you you're talking about. Ain't got ain't got a clue who you're talking about. So, but um, something along <laughs> the same the same lines, and we we're obviously talking about musicals. Yeah. Um, Rhapsody of Fire. Yes. I listened to the album. Oh, what do you reckon? I loved it. Me too. <laughs> um, you know what it reminded me of? And Lord of the Rings. The, well, no, it didn't. Uh, and you have no idea, actually, because you never watched um, the Transformers animated movie, have you? I've seen clips, but no. Have I you haven't. listened to the soundtrack of that? Uh, no. It's got some cracking tunes, really good tunes. And, um, you know, it reminded me a bit of that. And that's no offense, because I think it's it's it's, it's like one of my top probably two or three soundtracks that I've ever listened to, um, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, I'm, I'm I, loving the Rhapsody of Fire. The problem I've got, I can't get them out of my head, <laughs> and I don't feel any need to. But it's like you know, I'll be walking downtown, still doing it. It's like two weeks after the event. I'm like, it's like for God's sake, there's more songs. Get out of your head. So I've had like an intense burst of their music over three and four days, and they've they've become part of me. I've been assimilated into the Rhapsody of Fire. I have to say, I'm presuming there's mu- um, music videos out for these things because I bet you they are something to the, to watch as well. Well, I can't mention his name, but nope. I, I don't know. He will probably listen to this podcast and he'll let me know whether there are Rhapsody of Fire music videos. I know there are in the past mm-hmm. for pre- previous videos and stuff because a certain person, I believe, has done them. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't know if there's any yet for this new album, so mm-hmm. The Eighth Mountain, but that's definitely my favorite album and the majority of that album was played at the concerts so I was like, i'm very familiar with all those tracks but it was uh i'm impressed i'm, I'm definitely a fan of them do uh rhapsody of fire get some kind of uh royalty every time i listen to that on uh the uh alexa amazon device do. i think they should do yeah, yeah. i hope so because they'll notice their numbers going up because either you're listening to it or i am yeah, it just seems to be. It'd be know, good if these, yeah. uh, you know, the the people we listen to on uh, on the device got something from it. It would, because then we could do if we're going out for the entire day. Go, Alexa, just play <laughs> Rhapsody of Fire on repeat. Right, I'm off now, yeah. and just leave it playing for eight hours, and then they can make a few quid. Yeah, uh, and then they can hire me to film more of their concerts. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was I was chatting to 
Annette and her daughter Sarah about them earlier on and playing a bit of their music and stuff. So it was, uh, and if you go onto YouTube and uh, put in the lead singer's name, Giacomo, he was on the Italian version of The Voice mm-hmm. and he, he came second to a singing nun. And uh, there's lots of clips of him on there. So <laughs> we're watching it and Annette's like, you've slept in the same bus as him. I'm like, I have. <laughs> I have indeed. Yeah. So it's, it's quite cool. But I do, I miss those days. It was, yeah. uh, it was definitely a fun adventure. But but definitely people should check out Rhapsody of Fire. Um, you know, like I said, I I was thrown into it. I didn't know what I was going to, you know, what I was no, expecting. Same. And sometimes, you know, it can be a bit of a letdown, you know, you know, like listen to this, you know, I've met these guys or, or whatever, or, you know, in your case, um, films, their concerts. Um, and, uh you know, you try to be nice, and you say, "Oh, it was, it was, it was okay. It was good. It yeah, was, it was all right. Um, it's not really my type of thing. Yeah, but I, you know, I enjoyed listening to it once and never again, and stuff like that. So, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was really good. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was really happy that I kind of got introduced to it all. So, thank you for that. You are welcome. I was the same. So it was. I nearly said his name then. Whew, that was close. That was a close one. So and I was introduced to it by a very good long-haired friend, and he said, "Oh, you should check out their, their latest album." Yes, that was him. And uh, Dave Coverdale. And you know, I thought I'll check it out. And please be good, because it's it's rock band, heavy metal, whatever mm-hmm. whatever they are called. You think this is going to make my ears bleed? I'm not going to know what they're saying. It's going to sound very aggressive. And <laughs> and I put it on them. The first track I listened to, uh, courtesy of Alexa, was White Wizard. Mm-hmm. So I do have a fondness for that track because that was the first one I ever listened to. And it's uh, you're like, do you know, this is actually quite good. Oh, I'm going to listen to some more of their stuff. <laughs> and uh, obviously over three days, I listened to about six hours of their stuff. So it's... Uh, Here's a question for you, though. Okay. Did you get a signed album? No, I didn't. Oh. And it was, I was tempted. I didn't even get any selfie pictures or anything like that. Because, and I was tempted. I really wanted to. But I was This is there. Sci-Fi Wales Year 1 for me all over again. Yeah, pretty much. Because you go, you know what? I really want selfies and I want to meet. You know, I sat chatted with them for hours and hours and hours. And they handed me sandwiches and stuff like that. And, you know, Pepsi out of the fridge. And it was great. But... Uh, I don't know, because they were not on stage when I was hanging around with them. I didn't want to go, hey, there's a fan on your bus. Can yeah. I have a selfie? Can I have an autograph? You kind of kick into like professional mode. Pretty much. And there's a few filmmakers and obviously musicians in this case who I've met over the years and I've not quite felt that I was able to do that. And I'm sure that if a certain long-haired, very talented and very energetic filmmaker happens to be listening to this, he'll go, oh, you should have asked them. They'd have said yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I felt a bit weird because they were obviously paying me to be there as well. Yeah. So it's like, but no, I didn't. But uh, I would love to have done. And I was saying to Annette earlier, I said, if they ever show up in Manchester again, I would happily go and watch a concert of them. Yeah. Because they were amazing. I'd come with you. Very happy. Definitely. I'd be there. Yeah, we could both sign, uh, like, uh, (laughs) line up at the end for for signings. uh, You know, buy the album and please sign there. Hi guys, you're not paying me to uh, film your concert, so uh, sign this, please. (laughs) Do you remember me? And they'd be like, No, I don't remember you. But no, that was. uh, I'd like to have. So we shall see. So Mm. there's been slight developments on the Mimi trilogy, Mimi films. 
I've uh, picked up a few things on Twitter about this, so yeah, which uh, please nobody, tell me. Which nobody really knows about other than that single tweet. Uh-huh. So I ended up having... Uh, Lemis's mum sent me a message last night saying, can I give you a quick call tomorrow? And it's nothing bad. So we were just chatting about a film that we'd watched. It was one that Lemissa was in and one mm-hmm. that I'd just watched. So I'm like, let's chat about the movie. So we chatted about that movie for a little while. And she's a nightmare to nail down for a catch-up because she's just crazy busy. Yeah. So while I was in London, she was in London, but Lamissa was off at this big fashion shoot thing. And then when I'm free, she's not free because she's doing this and she's doing And it's very hard work. This is why a lot of the delays have happened for the, the first and second Mimi and the third one because it's like, this. you know, Lamissa's well busy. She's busier mm-hmm. than I am, busier than you are, busier <laughs> than that certain long-haired filmmaker is. And... Um, so when she said, can I give you a call? I'm like, hell yeah, because we need to catch up. I've not spoke to her since the second film was done, which was November. So I've not, you know, swapped a few text messages and stuff. So we were chatting about bits and pieces and blah, blah, blah. And I was chatting about the third Mimi film. I said, look, we need to uh, nail down a schedule for it. And she said, well, when were you thinking? I said, well, originally I was thinking the 10th of March. But this was what I was thinking in January. <laughs> it's like, in January, let's try and do it on the 10th of March. However, the 10th of March is like, you know, the week after next. Yeah. And I'm not quite ready for that because I don't know. I didn't know if you were going to be free. So I said, well, pretty much any time. I said, April or May might do. She's like, okay. I'll, so, so get me some dates that you're free on the weekends in April and May. Let me know when they are, and I'll see if I'm free from my night job, and we'll put it all together then. She's like, yeah, yeah. So also on my IMDb, there was a project called Stockholm, which mm-hmm. is a very secret project. And it was one that Zora, Lemissa's uh, mom, said, this is one that I want you to write. Here's a certain bunch of parameters. I really want you to write it, uh, and we'll work on it. So I'm like, okay. Now, uh, so I was chatting to her, and I said, look, because of the setting of Stockholm, it would be filmed in the house that I'm in now. So okay. It, perfect. So it would perfectly work in the house. Can't go into specifics why, but it would perfectely work within this house. It would be super cheap because I live here. I was going to say, yeah, and, and great for the budget. Yeah, great for the budget, great for the location, everything. So I said, well, ideally, I would like to film that one this summer. Bearing in mind, it's not even been written yet. Mm-hmm. I have the basic pitch and I have the certain parameters that she wants and I could probably write it in a couple of weeks or at least a month. So I said, right, I really want to shoot that one ideally this summer. Reason being that Annette and I potentially move in house at the end of the year, mm-hmm. not too far out of the way. So it's within either the same town or the next town. So we're not moving miles away just yet. Oh, you know, yeah, there, there's some lovely houses around here, Stuart. There is, but you know, we've, <laughs> it'll be a hell of a commute to the jobs that we've currently got. True. So at some point in the future, you never know. But uh, temporarily, we want to move to another house. Mm-hmm. And that other house, the odds on it being the perfect location for Stockholm, mm-hmm. that this one is, are very, very slim. Okay. So I'm thinking we, we need to film Stockholm and write it before the year end. She's like, right. I said, so what I would be okay doing is delaying the third Mimi film. And she's mm-hmm. like, huh? And I'm like, no, bear with me. I said, we delay the third Mimi film and do Stockholm. Mm-hmm. And then after that one, do the third Mimi film. Because, w- and I sort of went through the whole explanation with the the plot of, so Mimi one is set at a certain time. 
Mimi 2 is set the amount of time between shooting in the storyline as the first one was. So it works. Mm-hmm. So any aging kind of works. It makes sense. So, and the third one, again, can be set however long it is between number two and number three. So she's like, right, I'm not quite with you. I said, well, imagine, uh, so Mimi 3, we, we do it in a year, for example. She's like, oh, no, I don't want to wait a year. I'm like, no, we're not waiting a year. Just for example, we're doing it in, we're doing it in a year. With a simple tweak of dialogue, it'll be, oh, it's been a year since yeah. the, the second one. It's not a problem. It is such an easy tweak, and it works. This time. And she's like, all right, got it, got it, got it. So at the minute, I am heavily writing Stockholm. Mm-hmm which is a very interesting project, which I'll talk to you off air about. Um, so I'll give you a quick call after this podcast and just give you a bit Great. Bit it, you know, if you need a, a water one. boy, you know, I'm happy for an IMDb credit yes. for a water boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, probably need a lighting person, I think. So, there you go. Up uh, there. <laughs> so I said, I'm more than happy to do Stockholm first and then the third Mimi film. So she's like, right, okay. So that, at the minute, that's what is happening with that. Mm-hmm. So because the third one will be slightly later... That then means that I need to get my arse in gear and start editing the first one and the second one. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, who knows when they're going to come out. <laughs> my original plan was to edit all three. It's all right. You're, you're, you're still way ahead of Avatar. I think I am way ahead of Avatar. <laughs> but I'm starting to get conscious now. People go, when are these coming out? It's like, no, seriously, there is very, very good reasons for these being delayed. It's not a problem at all. So it's, uh, yeah, Stockholm will be uh, different. Mm. Um all I know is that she's going to be in it, and to a certain extent, I'm going to be in that one as well. And am I allowed to ask if it's going to be um, Mimi-esque from the point of view um, a very small number of um, cast members, or is it going to have a larger cast than Mimi? Small, small cast, small very again. minimal cast number. That's yep. the way I tend to do it, because I'm scared. I watched a film called Morris. Mm-hmm. last night which is the one that Lamissa starred in or she okay. was she was in it so she wasn't one of the main stars but she mm-hmm. was in it and uh, I had the filmmakers on the podcast a couple of weeks ago Jason and Adam and I watched their film and their film was shot for around £2,000 mm-hmm. so it's not massive budget but you know two grand's two grand but yeah and their film had Jesus like a dozen people in it so there was a quite a big cast for a two grand film mm-hmm. and that kind of scares me I don't want to have to wrangle a dozen people because uh, you know i'm, you, the, I'm you, there you know you're there you yeah. do it i'll do it yeah well there may I, be I'll some you there, a few people up here's a here's a genuine thing as well there may be the opportunity for some voice work Ooh. in that if you're up for that yeah. because uh zora and i were chatting last night about various ways to do the plot because she'd, she'd come up with the basic idea of this is what i want stockholm to be so i'm like right well Give me some more ideas. You give me lots of ideas. I'll keep them in my brain and then I'll work them into script and it's fine. So she came up with a few ideas and she's like, I don't know how we could do this. You know, I don't know how we could have lots of people in a scene without having lots of people there. So where you could just do phone calls mm. or voice work. She's like, oh, I like that idea. So there's genuinely uh, the, a chance for you to do voice work. If you want me to put your name on the very, very short list, please of do. I'd like to, um, to do that. The only that. thing gonna... I have to mention up front, obviously, yes. you haven't seen my CV yet. I can't <laughs> actually uh, speak Swedish. Yeah, no Swedish. No, no Swedish at so all. I've, I've just got to be honest about that. I'm going to be approaching, uh, I nearly said his name then. I'm going to be approaching <laughs> a certain wonderful science fiction long haired director 
who who likes fish and chips and also John Fouts to sort of say, hey, how do you fancy doing a couple of lines mm-hmm. and stuff? But I don't even know what they're going to say yet because I haven't got to that part, but that's something I will be writing. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're up to with the Mimi trilogy at the minute. So uh, probably on the next block of four days off, I will start to look at the first Mimi and then the second Mimi and go, right, mm-hmm. let's get this sucker edited. Am I right in saying have you booked some time off to spend editing all these things now, or is it just in kind of your your time off that you get between? Time, yeah, it's a time yeah. off. So the, it'll be a case of right. Well, my next four days off, for example, I'm not going to watch any films. I'm not going to review anything. I'll have no podcast to do. I am just going to edit, and that'll mm-hmm. be it. So it'll be edit, rest, edit, rest. Otherwise, it distracts you from everything. Yeah, uh, I originally my plan was I've got some t- a few days off in May, when I think Annette is planning on going on holiday, you know, away for a few days. I thought mm-hmm. like, that's that's the time when I'm going to edit. So I've got a bunch of days I'm going to edit the the Mimi films. But now that might be the time when I'm shooting Stockholm. So okay, bang goes my editing time. <laughs> so I'll have to find it from somewhere else. But it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So that's how busy my past couple of days has been. Anyway, it's been quite busy. Sounds amazing, though. It does. It's, uh, it's exciting. My times. head's already working on what Stockholm could be. Um, okay. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to um, be lucky enough to guess some of it. And uh, no, it was just, like, and the title may end up changing, but it was. I mean, we first discussed this thing probably a year ago. I think she, mm-hmm. she gave me she gave me a pitch, and I'm like, right. Well, leave it with me, and uh, let's just have this as a title. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's not set in Sweden, so you're all right with that one. And I came up with that, and also... Am I allowed to guess on air? Or yeah, well, you yeah. can guess, and I won't tell you whether you're right or wrong on air or not. So I'll just tell you off air. Because to me, when when you say Stockholm, I'm thinking, well, it's not going to be Swedish. It's not going to be, you know, everybody gets on a plane and goes to Sweden and has a nice family holiday. Could it's, be. It's got to be Stockholm Syndrome. Well, like not like the disease. Yeah, like well, not it's not a disease, but you know Stockholm syndrome, um, which is uh, where that Google tell me. Where's Google telling you? Uh, Stockholm syndrome, a psychological response that occurs when hostages or abuse victims bond with their captors or abusers. Okay, that's interesting. So you know, I'm yep. thinking, you know, possibly a story about you know, hostage taking or something like that. That's that's where my mind's going at the moment. All right, okay. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll let you have that one. You can I'll always cut this out yep. if I'm right. <laughs> no, not at all. I will, I'm, I'm not going to confirm whether you're wrong or right or right or wrong or anything, but I like that. That's good. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I'm busy writing on that. It's going to be a very, very tricky one for me to write, and I'll explain... Uh, you know, we'll finish this podcast probably in the next 20 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and then we'll have a quick chat on the phone, and I, you can feel my pain when I explain yep. what is going on with this project. Can, can I ask, is this going to be something that's going to be a longer script than Mimi? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so is it going to be, is it still a short movie, though, or is it going to be kind of more feature length? Or No, the, the plan for this one, and this was one of the questions I asked Zora last night, I said, do you want it to be a short one? Because I'm very, I'm, I'm, even though I'm writing it, and potentially, boy, I'm probably directing it as well as appearing in it and stuff, I'm very considerate in I want them to be involved 
mm-hmm. in it. And I, the same with the Mimi scripts. I mean, I've sent them the script saying, look, if there's anything you want to change, blah, 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 let me know. And they haven't really come back with any alterations. But yeah. I, I do want them involved in mm-hmm. it because they're going to be seen on screen. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. But uh, yeah, we're, we're aiming for a feature length type Ooh. story. So. Now that excites me even more. It excites me. I, I kept saying to Zora, I said, Look, I'm getting all excited about the Stockholm one. I keep forgetting we've got a third Mimi film to do. Because <laughs> so for me, it's like Mimi's kind of done. And by that, I mean the first and second one are finished. Nobody's seen them yet, but I filmed them all. So I can't film them because they're already filmed. Mm-hmm. And the third one, the script's already done. All I've got to do now is shoot that one. And yeah. that's kind of done. But I love the writing part. Which you and I were chatting, was it this morning? It, it was this it? morning, yeah. We were chatting, which perfectly segues into the next topic, mm-hmm. was, you know, does the fact that you could write something excite you, or does it scare you, or mm-hmm. both? Mm. Um, for me, I've never had a problem with writing. Um, you know, my my transition into putting things online and what led to sci-fi whales and kind of me getting involved in conventions, etc., was, um, my ability to put a website online, which is, uh, my very first website, um, sci-fi news, um, and writing articles about movies I've watched, games I've played, um, events I'd visited. Um, so I was always very comfortable writing, um, kind of articles in that sense. But that transition to writing an article, to writing a script or um, or even a, a kind of a synopsis for um, a, a movie, short or feature length, um, it's just something that's a bit unknown. I've never done it before, so um, you know I've got my ideas behind how I how I go about it. As I mentioned this morning, for me, yeah. I think step one, um, pen and paper. And, and bullet points, which is how pretty much I start all my projects, you know, when it came to sci-fi whales and um, kind of sitting down and um, addressing that and, and working out what I wanted. It was just pages and pages of bullet points. You know, I think I mentioned last week, I've got this pad that sits next to, to my desk and it's just full of pages of bullet points and notes. So um, that's very much how I'd start it. But then I think the trickiest part for me would be transitioning that from from bullet points or a rough outline of a, of a story to an actual script. I think that's where I'd struggle. I think with that, I mean, years ago when I first started trying to write scripts, I went out and, I mean, now you could just download them off the internet, so it's well mm-hmm. easy. But I went out and I bought a couple of screenplays. Yeah. I think I got the one from, I think there was some Tarantino ones out at the time, and then Strange Days from Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron mm-hmm. and you could buy them in like book form and yeah. it's the screenplay so you go right okay so at least I know what the format is to do a script mm-hmm. uh, but I start with bullet points I will start you know, for example if I was writing The Walking Dead mm-hmm. it would be a man wakes up in a hotel bed nobody's around him he looks outside and there's dead bodies everywhere and uh, somebody runs out of the stairwell and attacks him Mm-hmm. That that's exactly how I would write, and then you know, oh, he then bumps into somebody else who's not dead. Hey, and then you go right, do that one, and then you then start to write the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Hey, how come you're not dead? Oh, I don't know. I was hiding in a stairway, and then you just sort of fatten it out. So you start with the the pitch line, yeah. Like you see on IMDb, mm-hmm. and then you just expand it and expand it and expand it and change it, and tweak it, and it becomes like. 
for me, it's like painting a wall, mm-hmm. right? First coat, second coat, third coat, fourth coat, and so on, until you get to a point where it's ready. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, I I could see me having the problem where I'm constantly tweaking and never happy, um, yes. if that makes sense, and just, yeah. you know you know relentlessly going back to it and rewriting and rewriting and thinking this is just gonna be the rest of my life writing this script george lucas it (laughs) yep but it depends i mean you've got to sort of think is the stuff that you would write is it stuff you're going to film or is it stuff you're going to try and Mm -hmm. sell as a script so somebody else can film it Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, and i think that's the difference it's like with the Mimi stuff that i've written i've got to a point where you go right i'm kind of happy with that and then we go to film it, and a lot of the stuff that is on the script won't get shot because the dialogue will get changed, or yeah. So it'll be different on the day. But it's for me, a script is a blueprint. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. I'm sure if a certain wonderful science fiction director of films such as uh, you know Rogue Warrior and Humanity's End was on the <laughs> podcast, then he might have a totally different way of going. I mean, that's something we'll ask him about at some point. Mm-hmm. Say, How do you write? Yeah, because his film his films are more technical. Yes, his films are more effect heavy. Mine are easy. Mine are just people talking. Mm-hmm. So, so if I get there on the day and go right instead of these words, let me say I bet you say these words. It's not changing much for me. Yeah, and I think that's very much how I could see if if I was writing and directing, um, I could see a lot of it kind of coming together on the day you know yeah. talking to the people who were involved in shooting it you know the the actors and saying right you know you know this is this is what we're doing but feel free to you know ad lib a bit and throw in your own bits and just yeah, see where it goes because it's very easy and i came across this a couple of times with the first and the second one where i'd written dialogue that you know was perfectly good dialogue but then she said well that's not how i would say it mm-hmm. and yeah, you're too old you're not down with the hip kids yeah i'm not you know Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and by her saying it the way that she did say it, it didn't change where the scene or the dialogue was headed. Yeah, it just sounded like her words and rather it made than it mine. And this is a problem. A lot with, more believable as well. Will you watch any Quentin Tarantino film? Every character sounds like they're talking out of Quentin Tarantino's mouth. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a lot of the early ones they use the same phrases as all the other characters. They have the same pauses. They have the same, and that's because they're all speaking his words. Yeah. And, you know, you watch other films and it sounds like all the characters are written by different people. Mm-hmm. But uh, I find writing is is great. And it's, it's only scary when you show it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because you could go off the podcast tonight and you could write a story and realistically it could be terrible. It could be the worst story ever. But nobody knows if you don't show it to anybody. You might look at it and go, <laughs> do you know what? I think that's great. But it's it is kind of scary showing it to anybody else. Uh, yeah, it's fine whilst it's, it's it's in your head and it is for your viewing or for whatever. But as soon as you release that, then you're opening yourself up to that criticism if mm. if it is rubbish or perceived to be rubbish by everybody around. Yeah, of course. But also yeah. in your head, when you're writing down your story, you see the film in your brain, mm-hmm. and that film is amazing because yeah. you can picture it in your head and you mm-hmm. can do this you can see all these cool camera angles and blah 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 blah. all these wonderful effects and great characters and whatnot but you've got to try and put that into writing so that it can give the other person the same idea as you've got in your brain and that's quite difficult mm-hmm. 
but also that depends on the person who's reading it. Yeah. You know, if you give it to uh, somebody and they go, I don't quite, I don't understand where you're coming from, but you give it to, you know, a, a wonderful long haired Australian American English <laughs> film director of such classics as Starship Rising, he would probably look at it and go, I see what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Let's go make this thing. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's fun. And because uh, I've still got screenplays that I wrote 20 years ago that I've never seen the light of day. <laughs> and I really want to, there's a couple of them that I would like to make, but I, I don't want to go back and read them because they'll be awful. Yeah. <laughs> because I wrote them 20 years ago when I hadn't a clue. But uh, who knows, I may go back and tweak one of them. But um, And it depends how you want to write. There is no right and wrong way to write a story. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a podcast I listened to, and there's a film that stars Tom Hanks, and I've forgotten the name of the the woman that wrote it, but it was Saving Mr. Banks, so it was the one about Mary Poppins. Yeah, and the screenwriter on that I think it was her first ever feature film, and she was being interviewed by somebody, uh, some executive or whatever, going, "So how how do you write? How do you how do you write your screenplays?" And she went, "Well, I write it this way," and they went, "Oh no, 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 that's not how you write." Uh, well, th- so there isn't a right or wrong way, you know. Whether you want to use post-it notes, whether you want to write it longhand on paper, whether you want to tattoo it on your arm, whether you want to type it up on Google Documents or mm-hmm. whatever, it's however you choose to write, isn't it? So, so. for yourself, though, when you wrote Mimi, yeah. how many people actually got to see the script before it was shot? Anybody or? Uh, Annette saw it for obvious reasons. Like I know I did. Very, very few people. I would say maybe three or four. Mm-hmm. And possibly. Did you rewrite any of it based on feedback from them, or was it just just to get a heads up? Yeah, I'm going in the right direction, and then you know, if I am, then great, I'll carry on with what I'm doing. Or no, I think the only feedback i took on board that that had any alterations to the story for the first one there was none for the second one Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a little bit of tweaking that zora came through because i used the word uh, and i think this might be the similar bit of feedback that you gave or whatever Mm -hmm. but there was the word teenager yeah or something in there and i think originally put that did you say put that in um no did you say take it out i remember you use the language um that Oh, I can't remember without looking at the script now, but it was it was something along the lines of um, hinting at kind of this is, you know, this is one of the first things um, that kind of I dealt with. But actually, I, I'd mentioned that no, actually, if if you've been raising this kid, then you've actually yes. reached this moment, kind of, you know, years before. In it, it, that's not how it would have gone on. Yeah, so that was sort of amended. And then there was some remark about a teenager or something like that that got taken out because mm-hmm. Zora went, well, she wouldn't use that word. Yeah. But very, very minimal. Annette obviously had a bit of input. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think the only amending I did was when I didn't have access to a cat, which is quite difficult in a story <laughs> that features a cat. And I did get around it and I, shoot, I managed to shoot a film that has a cat without a cat. So I, was, really? I did quite well. So that was some clever camera trickery. I uh, was just sort of take out some scenes with this cat in it. Mm. but pretty much now everybody's and nobody's had seen the script for the second one other than Zora and Lemissa for obvious reasons mm-hmm. and the only person that's seen the third one 
is uh, Zora. I don't even think Lemissa's seen that one yet because she's been stupidly busy and we've not set a schedule. Yeah. I think generally with Lemissa, she gets the script pretty late in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's like, right, so in four days we're doing this and then she'll just memorize it better than I did because she was mentioning <laughs> scenes in the second one. She's like, is that after this sentence and that sentence? And I had to check the script going, is this the same? Oh, yeah, I did write that. I, <laughs> she's She's got one hell of a memory. But uh, yeah, no, the thing is with feedback... So if you write a story mm-hmm. and then you let me read it and I go, well, you know, I'd maybe do this and I'd maybe do that. That's not your story then. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our story or my yeah. story. So you've got to take feedback on board. And if somebody does come up with a good suggestion, you go, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I quite like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one. Mm-hmm. Then do use it. But you've just got to remember it's your story. Yeah, stick to it. It's your idea. It's your baby. Uh, as I said to you earlier on, it's like some person came up with an idea about making a film with a tornado full of sharks, and I'm <laughs> sure everybody laughed their head off and thought you're out of your mind. But now there's like five or six of these things, and they still make money. Oh yeah. So, mm. But uh, yeah, you could talk to a hundred different writers, and they'll all give you a hundred different suggestions. You talk to the dead air guys, I'm sure they come up with mm-hmm. with different bits and pieces. I was uh, answering a tweet by Peter, who, mm-hmm. who wrote Dead Air, and he was asking for an Apple uh, app that will enable him to make notes. So I replied saying, well, I just use a Google document, and sometimes I'll send text messages yeah. to myself, going, oh, do this and do that. And and he came, I can't remember what his reply back was, but it was something like, no, I really need an app. And it was a valid reason why he needed one. So mm-hmm. he uses an Apple app. I don't. Mm. So it's, but it's uh, there's something very, very special about when you've finished your very first story and you print it out and you look at it on a desk and you go, I did that. I, I Something from nothing. Mm-hmm. It is kind of cool. I still have a photo to this day of the first three screenplays I ever took. Uh, and I have a row and I took an actual photograph of that and I still have the photo kicking around the house. It's kind of cool to look at that going, yep, <laughs> I did that. Don't, don't ask me if they're really good or not. I, I personally think they are, but... You know, have you um, practised uh, an autograph yet? No. You know, no, you I never know if, if, if Mimi takes off. Yeah, possibly. I, you know, I don't want to... That they're ready. I don't want to jinx me. I go everywhere with a Sharpie. You, I do now. It's like, <laughs> it's no, no, that would be kind of weird. And, uh, but yeah, so I need to get my Mimi poster signed by Lemessa at some point as well. So that would be kind of cool. But, uh, I did manage to get the actual font information through from the poster designer, by the did way, you? He, he ended up getting back to me and he told me what font it was. So that's kind of cool. Great news. Yeah. So I'm very happy with that. So uh, I can now do some tests and, and replicate it and maybe do some more character posters or mm-hmm. or bits for trailers and maybe redo a teaser trailer at some point with the actual font mm-hmm. for the the end credit titles. Yeah. And, and bits and pieces and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think all's good. Good. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't think there's much else. I've still not heard from the elusive Bob. I don't know. He's now on, I think, about 10 days since he actually messaged me, so I don't quite know what's going on there. But uh, Well, we we you know. wishing you well, Bob. Hope hope everything is all right. Well, he's been on Facebook, so I'm oh, guessing that, he's that's all a good right. Thing, but he's, just, he's just, I think he's obviously fell out with me. He's just not replying to any messages that I had sent. 
uh, around 10 days ago. So who knows? Uh, so the other final film that I watched was uh, Underworld from 2003, the Werewolves v. The original Vampires. Underworld? The original Underworld. Had you I never out, seen that before? No, oh. I'd seen that one before. I've seen the first one, I've seen the second one. Yeah. But I went into Computer Exchange, or CEX as mm-hmm. it's known as, and they had all five of the movies on Blu-ray. Uh-huh. So I thought, do you know what? I've never seen that entire franchise. No, me either. I so, think I'm with you, probably the first yeah. two. So I picked them all up, and I'm going to slowly work my way through them but first one's good mm-hmm. it's very matrixy and did you know, all that sort of stuff in the way it looks but it's, it's kind of cool it's see that that was back in that era where werewolves were the with a big thing isn't it you know yeah so um and now it's zombies yeah now it's zombies we're away from all that but underworld was good and also on the mm-hmm. blu-ray it's the slightly extended version as well so i think it clocks in about two hours and 13 minutes which is quite long for a film back then now it's quite common but uh, I'm looking forward to sort of ploughing through the the rest of the Underworld movies. Mm-hmm. So um, I was trying to think what else. I'm sure I nearly watched... Oh, yeah, so the new Bond movie comes out next week. I knew there was a segue somehow. So the new <laughs> Bond movie comes out in about a month. Mm-hmm. So it's a month tomorrow. And it's 163 minutes. That's hefty. It's the longest Bond movie to date. Wow. So um, I would not encourage anybody to go to a midnight showing <laughs> of, uh, of that one i don't tend to do midnight showings it's like what's the point you get that's too tiring i want to enjoy a film and watch it all but what do you think about the news that there will be an indiana jones 5 that isn't, isn't... directed by steven spielberg i know um do we know who's going to direct it or nope there nope. were rumors that james mangold was going to do it he who did logan mm-hmm. and uh, X-Men, Wolverine, I think. Not the crap one, but the, the good one. Mm-hmm. But that's just talks. But what we do know is that Spielberg isn't directing it, which is, that would be weird. It would be. Um, what, I don't know how it works. Did did Spielberg get kind of first refusal? Did he just kind of say, no, I don't want to do it? Or did they not approach him? Or No, well, he would, he's one of the producers of it. So he okay. would have, he, he could have done it if he wanted to, but for some reason he's like, you know what, I'm good. Maybe it's a schedule thing. Yeah. Um, You know, who knows? It's not going to put me off from watching it, and then I'll make my final decision when when I see the movie, I suppose. Which is coming out in 2021, supposedly. That's not too far away. That's not too far. You know, about two two or three podcasts. Yeah. Well, he's got... I mean, this is probably why he's not doing it, because he's got West Side Story coming out at the end of the year, Ah. which means he's probably already filmed that or he's filming it, but then he'll have to do all the post-production and the the press stuff for it. And I think that is probably... There's no way that he's going to be able to do Indiana Jones 5 Mm -hmm. from December to, like, April next year and then get it out in time for summer. So I suspect that's probably why. But the fact that he's one of the producers on it, I'm pretty sure he could turn around and go, yeah, we're, we're going to wait until mm-hmm. I'm free. So I don't know if for some reason he doesn't seem too keen on doing the film, which is it would be very odd. It's a bit like when you go to see uh, Star Wars, the new ones, and it doesn't have that big Fox fanfare. Mm-hmm. It was a bit odd Yeah, for the first few movies. You're like, I kind of missed that. So, man... Um, but Disney Plus is launching later this month. I've can, seen the adverts for it. 
you can have you read the Facebook comments? No. It's an absolute picture. So they put this advert out saying for the bargain price of forty nine pounds ninety nine, you can have it for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Which is you know you're saving a few quid or whatever. And then all these people, predominantly from the UK, are going, "Yeah, I've already seen the Mandalorian. Yeah, I've already watched <laughs> it. Yeah, I downloaded that." And it's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you're putting that on an official flipping website." An official comment, but I do think that angered a lot of people. It did, yeah, because yeah. you know we've covered my experience with uh, Disney Life uh, a number of times, so I won't go over mm. it again. But there is no reason why they couldn't have put that onto Disney Life over here. No reason whatsoever. No, no, they should. And if they'd have put it on and, and charged people, I mean Disney Disney Life is a, a pay per month. Yeah. So, exactly. so it's effectively Disney Plus, isn't it? Yeah, really? it, it's basically their, their first um, iteration of a, a pay TV channel, but um, the one that came first. And and I suppose if you if you um, talk to one of their PR people, they'd say, ah, but Disney Life is just Disney stuff. But I, I can't see any reason why, you know, that they couldn't have had Lucasfilm stuff on there and, you know, all the other, you know, Marvel That's stuff. Cool. You know, it, You know, you own it. You can choose. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? So it did anger a lot of people. And uh, people at my workplace were like, oh, I'm going to sign up for it. I'm like, why? Why are you sign up for it? Because it's like you get it for a year. And I'm like, but what? You're not. You're going to be bored with it in two months. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, people watch Netflix and they generally go for the new shows. Mm-hmm. They'll watch an old film now and again. But yeah. generally they go for the new stuff. Are you really going to sign up for Disney Plus and spend however long watching all the old episodes of Hannah Montana or or stuff like that. <laughs> and that, no, that's want... the thing. When I switch on my TV and I go to Netflix, I look at what's recommended from the new stuff. I do exactly the same for Now TV. I'll go straight into the movies, straight into the new releases and see if they've put a few new uh, new releases such as, you know, the Godzilla that I'd watched. Um, you know, occasionally I'll go and flick through, you know, a category, but most of the time it is that new new content. So, um, you know, if The Mandalorian is their new content and a lot of people have already downloaded it or just so they could see it without having to suffer all the spoilers because, um, that you know, we do know about the child now. You can't avoid the marketing for all the different dolls that are coming out for it. Yep. Um, yeah, it's... It, they're, they're it was definitely... They screwed up, didn't they? Yeah. Big time. Big time. And I think it has angered a lot of British people, which is probably why they've come out with this. Hey, you can save X amount Mm -hmm. with the software thing, but that's not going to sort of, you know, I'm not in any rush to rush out and sign up for Disney Plus. I've got enough stuff to watch. Yeah. As it is without signing up for another streaming platform that I'm not going to have enough time to watch. So I'm trying to devote a lot of my time to uh, obviously Amazon for showing Picard, which is great. Uh, Netflix, because it's a given. We all tend to have Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then Shudder for my Wolf Creek and Creep Show and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I can, don't need a fourth one. Can I quickly ask, have you mm-hmm. um, watched anything of The Purge Season 2 yet? No, nope, but that is my very next show. Once I've finished Euphoria, which mm-hmm. I'm now four episodes into out of eight, mm-hmm. The Purge 2 is my next show to binge watch. I think that's... Um, that's the next one for me and Nicole as well. We're, you know, over the past however many weeks with what's been going on, um, we've been yeah. catching up on the kind of the regular ones we've been watching so far, you know, Picard, Doctor Who, etc. So um, now we're up to date with all of those, then we can go back to 
the things we'd we'd recently started. So I think we've watched the first two or three episodes of the Purge season two, and we'll be carrying on with that. Nice. And then another show to put on your watch radar when it's released is a wonderful show called The Time War, which is uh, made by this wonderful floppy long-haired um, filmmaker who's had done such classics as uh, Alien Dawn and Alien Armageddon. And, I know it. You know, yeah. Looking forward to that one at some point. You know that so we've the done dir- quite well. The director with the lovely locks has got so many credits. If you look on IMDb as well, a man so famous that I do believe at Sci-Fi Wales he had a person who was sole purpose there to make sure all the Blu-rays were polished, <laughs> clean, and devoid of fingerprints. This is a guy so famous. Well, exactly. When 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 you get to that level that you've got yeah. your own pers- personal. Um, DVD and Blu-ray polisher. I mean, Zara brought her husband. That was cool. Nice guy. Yeah. But she didn't have somebody there polishing Blu-rays. Not so at all. So she maybe one day she will try and elevate herself to that level and where somebody is there checking everything. But not only this, this person went home, checked to make sure it played, mm-hmm. brought it back to let him know. Yeah. And somebody dedication. so revered that you know, he got called up to somebody else's um, panel. Um, he did. Yeah. He was he was there to watch. Yeah, he was there then, just to enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, you know, they wanted him on stage. Virginia thought, my God, this person's here. Mm-hmm. I need him on stage. I need to talk to him. So he came up. He crashed the panel. And then it became not, not just a Virginia panel, but a Virginia and somebody else panel. Yeah. This, this is like superstardom. It is. Uh, I'm impressed. And we still have not said his name. He's like Candyman. You say his name and he's, well, <laughs> and not like Candyman. And he'll pop up with a few drones. <laughs> if you say his name three times, his hair grows, apparently. <laughs> that's that's why he's got long hair, because people keep saying his name, like Mr. Blu-ray Polisher, like Virginia Hay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these people, they say his name and his hair grows. So... Uh, rumor has it if they're doing a sequel to the live action Lion King he will be playing one of the lions <laughs> because his mane is so golden that he is perfect casting you know what I want to throw this out there can yeah. anybody in the Twitterverse you know tell me another um, convention or comic con where anybody you know any guest has ever had somebody polishing their DVDs and Blu-rays. I think this could be a world exclusive. I didn't even see that at San Diego Comic-Con, the biggest convention in the world. Mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody getting their their materials polished by (laughs) by a member of the public. You know, maybe that goes on behind closed curtains or whatever, but I did not see any of that out in the public. And this was in the public for this. It was. We could stand around and watch this guy just... You know, wiping from left to right and enjoying every living second of it, and not even a care in the world that people were watching. You polish it, it up was, good, so um, it was. I took so, photos, so, so I it have, spins better. I, I have photographs of this thing, and I, you know, I may share them across Twitter later on. But I, I thought I am. I've never seen this before. I need to photograph this because nobody would ever believe me, and uh, mm. I, I still have those photos. So. That was it was a very special day in my life mm-hmm. to just watch these two men, one doing something that pleased the other. It was uh, it's a very exciting moment. <laughs> so, and uh, I think on that note, we shall 
we shall climax this podcast with a very happy ending <laughs> and um, dedicate it to one of the most talented, long-haired Dave Coverdale impersonators <laughs> that I ever know. And this will probably be the last ever episode where I don't say his name, but it's mm-hmm. been quite nice. Just, you know, we get the we get the limelight. We're in a spotlight, not him. Yeah. It's, it's good. I'm all right. I, I quite enjoyed it. Let's not talk about him ever again. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, if, if well, no, we have to mention his name. We probably you know, will, but not in this episode. Not on this one. Well. But no. this episode's been, you know, hell on earth. And, yes. uh it's nice. It's like, you know, it's the first time in a while where I've had 93 minutes of pleasure mm-hmm. that without screaming his name. So it was, it was interesting. It, it almost uh, feels like uh, th- this person is the invisible terror. Possibly. He it kind of is invisible because he's on the other side of the world. Yeah. Uh, basking in the heat while we're here being battered by storm after storm yeah. after storm. I'm kind of getting sick of storms now. Can we just have springtime, please? Spread your wings. Yes, exactly. Just rise like the starship. Yeah. And uh, and we don't want humanity to end whatsoever. Not but at we all. shall finish this because we're we're running up against a bit of a time war here. Yeah. And uh, it's night time, so watch the, the battle space. darkness is upon us. And yes, for future episodes, watch this battle space. And yeah, if you uh, if if you're going to share those photos later, we can see yes. two become one. We can't. I've just got these demons in my head. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so yes thank you very much Rob I shall give you a quick call in a minute and give you a very quick five minute pitch on this thing that I can't talk about in the podcast but. sounds great okay take care audience and uh, next week hopefully Denise will be on the show uh, with working Skype and everything would be watch out for those lovely. Windows updates Denise yes definitely yep grim alright Rob well thank you thank for you. jumping on at last minute much You're welcome. appreciated speak to you soon take care goodbye bye Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.